0: Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Brought to you by Active Iron on News Talk. Ask the GP on Lunchtime Live.
1: I'm delighted to say that Dr. Nina Burns is with me now. Nina, I'm delighted you're in because we were talking about wearables uh, with Andrew Moore earlier on, Fitness Goose. And I've been looking at my one and my little heart rate. I've been so nervous. My heart rate is going through the roof. My little sweaty palms are on the desk. So I'm delighted that you're here to look after me in case something happens. Uh, but we have been inundated, as always, with questions. Uh, and if you don't mind, we shall jump right in. Uh, somebody's been in touch to say my heart rate goes to, 45 to 40, uh, 40 to 45 beats per minute overnight. Is that normal?
0: So I suppose it's very hard to kind of give one heart rate that's normal because your heart rate varies depending on your age, your fitness and and other circumstances, such as whether you're on medications that can affect heart rate or that. So I suppose to generalize, it is normal that your heart rate dips somewhat overnight and actually so does your blood pressure. And Mm -hmm. when we do 24-hour blood pressure monitors, in fact, one of the things we don't like is if the blood pressure particularly doesn't dip overnight. So it's supposed to. The level at which it drops to, I suppose, is important. Mm. Um, And so dropping down into the 40s, Maybe perfectly normal for you if you're a very fit person whose daytime heart rate is in you know low 60s, high 50s, that could be quite normal. So we'd really look at the pattern over the 24 hours. Um, sometimes if someone's very worried that their heart rate is dropping, and we get a lot of people coming in with this on yeah. their app, is we'd run you know a 24 hour monitor or a 20, uh, 24 hour blood pressure monitor or a Holter monitor, which is a form of rhythm monitor, just to make sure that the heart rate isn't dropping off. What we really don't want is pauses in your heartbeat overnight. So long pauses or the heart rate dropping right down probably into the 30s, particularly in someone who's older or who has other risk factors for heart disease. So I suppose it's a long answer to a short question, but that may be perfectly normal for somebody or in other people, it might not be normal. And I suppose it is absolutely something worth discussing with your doctor.
1: Yeah. And and I suppose one thing that I'm curious about, because I know that my GP gives out to me for this all the time, but I am a big fan of Dr. Google. Okay. I know. I know I shouldn't do it. But, you know, when I get when my Apple Watch gives me data. So, for example, uh, when I'm out running, if my heart rate goes up to 176, I'll screen that and I'll be like, I'll bring that to the GP now next time I'm in, just in case my heart's going to explode out of my chest. Like, do you get people, I suppose, more conscious or more wary of things because they have these trackers on their wrists and they don't necessarily know how to decipher the data?
0: Yeah, no, exactly. And and I suppose I'm, I don't give out to people for going to Dr. Google because the fact is, is as healthcare workers, we have to be aware that the internet is out there, that these trackers are out there, that these devices are out there. And I personally am a big fan of digital health and the implication that it can have in person's healthcare. Mm. I suppose looking back over the years, you know, before we had all the trackers, we had people using what they called alternative health and they went for all kinds of other treatments. I've never called them alternative health. I've always called them complementary health because yeah. to me, there's something we do alongside conventional healthcare. And to me, digital health trackers, Dr. Google, is sort of a form of complementary health. It's Mm -hmm. a way of complementing your healthcare, but it should be done in conjunction with, you know, talking to someone who's obviously trained in analysing that data. And that's the thing. We know data is key, but data on its own is no good unless we know how to interpret it properly. And health is no different than that. So taking your health data that you have from whatever source you have it, whether it's Dr. Google, whether it's your tracker, whether it's your phone, bring it in and talk to your doctor about it and Mm. then you can interpret it in the context of you as a person because while we talk about healthcare being a science it's what we call a human science so we can we can't generalize we're individuals and what's normal for one person may not be normal for another Mm. so I always think it's brilliant I like when my patients come in and show me their data and say they've been looking at it I don't like the idea that someone would come in to me and talk about their health and then be doing all this other stuff at home and not discussing it because they're not getting the full benefit of a healthcare consultation I'm not getting the benefit of a full picture of their health. Yeah. So I really actually think this is something really important to talk to your doctor about and to be open about it and to come in with all your data.
1: Yeah, Martin Curley, uh, who used to work at the HSE, was saying that he firmly believed that wearables could be a key to unlock preventative healthcare. So rather than treating problems, if we get ahead of it and if you could see, well, your heart rate's a little bit high or maybe you're not moving enough, we can get ahead and maybe even fix the trolley crisis or whatever the the issues are in the health system because we're all being more active and more aware and more in tune with what's going on in our bodies because we have the data to back it up. You know,
0: absolutely. And I'm a big fan of Martin Curley. I think he's He's a very talented, intelligent man and and he was a real loss to the Mm HSE, I have to say. I had the pleasure of meeting him a couple of times. I think he's great. Um, Yes, absolutely. I am, as I said, I'm kind of sold on digital health and its potential in healthcare. I think we absolutely is something we need to integrate more and more into our healthcare systems and to use more and more. And just even classically, one I'm using all the time at work is, you know, if if people think they're having palpitations, which we are seeing more and more over time, you know, there's a thing called a Holter monitor, which is where we put three stickers on someone's chest and they go off about their day for 24 hours and it records their rhythm. The downside of that is you have to be referred for it. They're in short supply, the people Mm -hmm. who analyze Them and it only analyzes your heart for 24 hours. There is an app, a particularly good app called ICardia, but there's a number of different ones where you pay the equivalent of what you would pay privately for a Holter monitor. But you then have this app on your phone, and whenever you get palpitations, you can put your fingers on your phone. It records the rhythm of your heart. And so I actively tell patients, and I know lots of cardiologists do, to go and download that particular app. And by the way, I've no, I don't even know who makes it. I've no financial. I've heard of it before. They're a great company. Yeah, but it. They bring in the data, so then you can see how fast their heart rate is going. Is it an abnormal rate? Is Mm -hmm. it like because you know your heart can be going fast but beating normally, or it can be going fast but beating abnormally? And actually, as a GP, seeing that actual tracing is gold to me, so I can maybe on the same day say to you, "That's actually fine," or "No, actually, that's an abnormal rhythm that we need to look at." Yeah. So you know, we more and more and more we are using technology. I suppose probably mostly in cardiac is where it has come first for rhythm and pulse and blood pressure and all of those things. But we're seeing more and more apps that look at other methods of health. You know, from the point of view of mental health, we we can track, we have journals that track our mood now. And I actively encourage people to use them. I I think it's really helpful. And and I don't think it's something that we should discourage. But as with all data, data needs to be analysed and should be analysed by someone trained in assessing that data. And that's really where the relationship between you your data and your doctor
1: come mm-hmm. in. Yeah, I, I'm a big advocate for it as well. And I just think once you understand that you can talk to someone about it and you shouldn't just get freaked out about it, then it's very beneficial. Uh, another question that has come in, my deep sleep is always less than an hour. Should I be worried?
0: So we go through different phases when we sleep and ideally it's sort of four phases. Then we have kind of light, middle, deep and then we have our REM, which is our dreaming sleep. Mm-hmm. Um, it, like they say you wake refreshed if you've had decent deep sleep. So it is important to have your deep sleep, to have that refreshed feeling in the morning. Again, there are lots of things can influence sleep. You know, anyone who has kids knows as a parent, you may never get to your deep sleep if you have a baby who's waking. Uh, different drugs, different medications, alcohol, all those things impact on the cycle of sleep. I think as a, as a kind of a rule, they say about 25% of your sleep should be in that. So again, one hour, how many hours are you actually getting asleep? What mm-hmm. is your... You know, what is your sleep hygiene like? You're getting to sleep. So having a good night's sleep, preparation for that sleep is actually a really important part of that. So not being on screens. That's I was not the say, time. is this phone free bedroom data. territory? Yeah, absolutely. So two hours before sleep is not the time to be using all your trackers and your screens and looking on them and all of that blue light. It kind of disrupts your melatonin, it disrupts your circadian rhythm, makes it hard to fall into sleep. So if you want to kind of get to your deep sleep, you have to be able to kind of settle, move through the light sleep, get to your deep sleep and have a kind of a a prolonged deep sleep phase. So I suppose that person, again, maybe looking at your health as don't just look at your sleep. Sleep is a reflection of our health in general, of our lifestyle in general. And maybe it's maybe it's a point of discussion with your doctor.
1: Yeah. Another question that has arrived in here. Hi, a question for Dr. Nina Burns. I'm a 48 year old female. I've lost three and a half stone in the last year working out four to five times per week, doing strength and cardio, have seen improvement in high blood pressure, which is now normal, on HRT, eat well and sleep well for seven to eight hours a night. Well done you. Yes, on all the fitness devices, it says my HRV is awful, average 23 MS. What uh, should it be? And should I see a cardiologist? So it's saying her, sorry, her HR what? Uh, Her HRV, so it's the heart rate variable, I think is average 23 Um, so should she see a cardiologist?
0: Well, I would always say start with your GP. So, mm-hmm. you know, GPs are very good at, at treating, you know, heart issues. We only refer kind of specialist issues on to cardiologists. So, again, I, th- I think you sound like you're doing fantastic work from a lifestyle point of view. Um, so I'd rather kind of bring you in, talk to you again in the context of your family history, assess you, examine you, see is there anything there that we need to kind of improve more. And then decide whether a cardiology appointment would be appropriate. And a lot of these patients, it's not. And again, you know, we always one rule we have in medicine, again, is treat the person, not the test. Yeah. So, you know, we used to talk about that when we would talk about x-rays and scans. But it's equally important when it comes to your data from your tracker or whatever. We shouldn't treat just what's on
1: the da- tracker. We should treat the person in front of us. Mm. Uh, another question that has just landed in my uh, beats per minute is 40 to 45 while I'm up and about. I've just been told it's quite low and the GP says it's OK But would I be as well to get a second opinion?
0: So again, as someone who's really fit, so exercises regularly, that could actually be very normal. You know, below 45, I suppose, is a little bit lower. I'd definitely be doing a baseline ECG, which again, your GP can do just to make sure you don't have an unusual rhythm or that you're not prone to to heart block. There are various things we can see on just a basic tracing of the heart. And again, something like that app that tracks your rhythm or something like a Holter monitor that looks at it over 24, 48 hours to tell us just, is it dropping lower than that or is it mostly a little bit above that? Because again, it could be normal. Mm-hmm. But you can't just say it looking at the number.
1: Yeah. So talk to your GP. If in doubt, just talk it out. That's yeah. the advice. Uh, Dr. Nina Burns, thank you so much for coming in uh, today.
0: Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday. Brought to
1: you by Active Iron on News Talk.